Hello and welcome to Leadership Logic. I am your host, Sonia, and I am so elated to have you join us as we walk through the do's and don'ts of leadership. We welcome any of your testimonies, your laughs, and your experiences, but most of all, your coaching strategies to help leaders become successful. So we can't wait to see you as we share Leadership Logic. Hello, Sonia. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining Leadership Logic. Absolutely. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So I am just thinking through different thoughts and uh, wanted to do a little a segment on people who are on a new journey in leadership and freshly out of the classroom. And it's always good to get a perspective on how that transition is going. So tell us what you do. I am a graduation coach, which falls under the umbrella of school improvement. So actually, I am over students and teachers now, and I am the head of the MTSS multi-tiered system of support team, and we look at students who are at risk of potentially dropping out of high school. And so we try to implement interventions and progress monitoring um, to make sure that they stay on their course and finish. So here on, on the Leadership Logic, we like to have very raw, candid, and authentic conversations. Of course, we couple it with laughs, and we just tell real stories about things that's going on. And so in your new position, this is your first year, is, is that correct? Correct. So in this new position, I would like to know was what has been the biggest aha moment um that you had now that you're in this role as opposed to when you were a teacher like what's that one thing that you say like damn I didn't know this was happening (laughs) Ooh, there are so many um (laughs) let's see the first aha moment that I had thinking back to conversations that teachers have um we used to say, well, they have us doing all of this. Why can't they do it? All they do is walk around uh, with their walkie-talkies. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Aha, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. epiphany. Absolutely not. There are so many layers to education that I had no idea about. And I'm actually working more than I ever have before in a leadership position. Um being a teacher, I was in my little bubble, my teacher bubble. And um, I thought that dealing with children, sometimes parents could be challenging. Actually, being in a leadership position has its own set of challenges. Yeah, Yeah, I think for me, um, I I remember when I was in the classroom, and it's kind of now that I get to have an aerial view of (laughs) all the different structures and entities in education, I think I remember sitting back and listening to the custodians complain Mm -hmm. about, you know, they should make the kids pick up. You know, we shouldn't have to clean up after everybody. They felt like they were out working the paraprofessionals. Mm -hmm. Then I would hear the paraprofessionals saying, you know, the teacher has me doing all of the work. I Mm -hmm. have to do this. I have to do that. Mm -hmm. Then I would hear the teacher say, we're outworking all of the coaches and Mm -hmm. instructional um, people and support staff on there. You know, they're just Mm -hmm. walking around. They have all of this free time Mm -hmm. and they, you know, while we're stuck with the kids, then I would hear now at this layer, the coach is saying, you know, the the assistant principal is making me do everything. Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. not doing it. Then when I became an assistant principal, and I, too, myself was saying, whoa, I'm doing all of the principal's work. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they doing? What is, why is the principal always on the computer? Mm-hmm. Then I didn't understand when I became a, well, when I, I, I actually understood when I became a principal that 
that computer system has your budget and finance. It has your human resource. It has all of your reports. So you spend an insurmountable amount of time looking and managing the systems in a different way. But then, hell, I was like, I, I must be doing more than the assistant principal. I mean, the <laughs> assistant soups, because all they're doing is coming over here once a month asking mm-hmm. me what I'm doing. Yes. So I see the cycle unfold. And so it's funny that you would say that is because what I realized my epiphany was when you have not walked in those shoes mm-hmm. and in that capacity you draw perceptions based off of what that little small snippet of time you see absolutely and you don't get that experience so what has been your greatest challenge in your experience now transitioning well For me, personally, um, I'm such a type A person, and I'm actually battling and in competition against myself, and I'm so used to being the master at what I do, right? Mm -hmm. And so being in this position where everything is new, um, and I know I didn't know anything about this position actually. Um, All of these different meetings and um, FTE reports and dealing with funding, um, the numbers have to be right because you're a Title I school and going in and working with the data clerk and oh my God, it's so much. And now I'm over new teachers and and supporting them. So there (laughs) are, There are multiple challenges, to be honest. Um, In addition to that, not only all of the different duties that I have with this position, um, I am the SST chair as well. I am the MTSS team leader. And so I'm working with parents and monitoring progress, monitoring and making sure that teachers are doing what they have to do. Now that right there. (laughs) yeah so it is um more than a notion to manage adults Mm. Uh, they're the hardest to manage and i always hear teachers talk about you know the kids and, and the challenges with children but when you are in that leadership role and you have to now keep adults in compliance who have their mm-hmm. own thoughts and agendas now that in itself is a big challenge i did not know that teacher was teachers were so needy i did not know that <laughs> um and and another challenge for me because i'm a straight shooter not to say that i am not considerate of people's feelings but i do not lead or run my life based on emotions right Mm -hmm. and so I've been doing some observations um, with the new teachers and trying to think how am I going to deliver your glow and your grow but the grows is a long list right however Mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to roll up my sleeves I got you I'm going to show you how Um, so talking with other leaders well, no, don't do it this way or don't say it that way. And so I, as you know, and we both have worked under under people before, and I really believe that's why we're so successful is because they were straight shooters and you, mm-hmm. you did this right. Um, however, as the years have passed and you can see as well, this new generation, they're leading with feelings. They don't even say, if you noticed in meetings, and if you haven't noticed before, please pay attention. I don't, they never say what they think. They say, I feel like, and I'm like, oh, they got everything with feelings now instead of thoughts, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) so that's the struggle for me to get in touch with and know how to address all of these feelings so that I don't really rub anybody the wrong way. 
that's a struggle for me. Yeah, that you know what? That is indefinitely, you know, that is a huge struggle for me because mm-hmm. I am so task oriented, mm-hmm. but I'm also a great problem solver. Right. And so for me, you know, uh, I struggle when people can't figure things out um, because things come natural to me and I can you know it's not black and white for me I can find my the, the answer in the gray mm-hmm. um through trial and error and um and I think that's just how we were trained you just didn't run to the principal's office no. with your thoughts and your feelings you you know they pay you to figure it out and educate children and make them thrive mm-hmm. and I find that not only for me not only with the new generation I find that over the evolution of time and education because there are a lot of veterans now that are having breakdowns and struggling with the generation z yes type of child and they want to keep it in a traditional mode and these these children now are digital natives where Mm -hmm. I always say we're digital immigrants because mm-hmm. we were not born in the era of technology. Right. So we've had to learn to adapt and to make it innovative for them. Well, these Ooh, children, I like that. Can you repeat that again? Yeah, we are digital native. I mean, we're digital immigrants and mm-hmm. we're trying to infuse our traditional methodology of teaching for digital natives. So right. when we don't make it innovative for them, there's a, a strong disconnect. So the veterans who are these digital immigrants, they have breakdowns now in, in, in teaching and education. They can't handle it because they refuse to change their techniques to meet the needs of these digital natives. But do you remember, and see, I have a problem with that because that's not what we're made of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though we are digital immigrants, you and I both had the fortune, the blessings and the pleasure of having Mr. Raymond Whitley as our principal, mm-hmm. our first principal. And I carry his words with me. This is almost 30 years, right? But mm-hmm. I Ever, ever forget the people who poured into us throughout our educational journey. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly him saying, I can even see. Remember how he used to dress? And we mm-hmm. thought it was so, oh, you dress so cool for you to be an older man. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I quote, you need to know what these children listen to, watch, wear, Stay in tuned because the day that you can no longer relate to them is mm-hmm. time for you to go home. Not to say that we have to dress like them, right? But still know what it is. That includes their knowledge and passion for the digital industry, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you are an educator, Honey, your your greatest gift is you should be able to morph. You have to. That's very you know, true. You have to. We are the original actors and actresses, right? Mm. <laughs> In order to keep children engaged, right? And so when you say, and it is true, that people refuse, then honey this is not for you any longer. It's just not. And what I have a hard time understanding about the refusal is that in any other organizational structure, Mm -hmm. if you're in corporate America, if you work for Shell or Mm -hmm. um, Apple, you have to have relationships with your team. Yes, indeed. And so I don't understand why in education now teachers do not understand the power of relationships with students and you know I always I had someone say well you can drag the horse to the water but you can't make them drink and I really have a disdain for that Mm -hmm. that saying Mm -hmm. because I have and I always combat that by saying 
Yes, but you can make a horse or the child thirsty enough. To there you go. I was about to, to say that. Yes. Make them thirsty. Mm-hmm. That's your job is to make them thirsty. Absolutely. And so it's unacceptable to allow apathy in learning when your job, your number one purpose is to educate and pour into children. So mm-hmm. the moment you feel like that's not your purpose anymore, then you should move out of the way and allow someone else to fulfill that purpose in, in a child's life. And see, but here is <laughs> where we're not getting the bang for our buck, though, in our industry. In a perfect world, yes, they would move out of the way and make room. But when you make room, look at what we're, that was a mass exodus. So there is a disconnect in the system somewhere because no one wants to do it anymore. Right. And and why do you think that is? (sighs) Honestly, this is not for the faint of heart. It's just not. And... I don't care how much education you get under your belt. Nothing prepares you until you are getting that um, in the field experience. Um, I really believe everything is is bigger than the schools. It's bigger than the districts. It's bigger than the school boards and whoever's making those decisions. Parenting is the most important job you will ever have in your life right but it is the only job out there that does not require any type of certification no crash course no associate's degree nothing right Mm -hmm. you just go have fun and procreate and then you do your best you go home and do your best or not and then (laughs) you leave it up to strangers to pour into your children. So here's the thing. If they are not doing their jobs on the parent end, and it is my requirement to not only be your educator, your parent, your counselor, your nurse, your friend, um, your listener, all things to you and 20 others, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to lose out. And a lot of people in education are burnt out because there's no support. So let's go back to the parenting part. We grew up when Miss Johnson down the street could get us. And by the time we got home, we would get it too. It was respect for elders, right? These children, and go back to what you were saying and we were sharing about the, the custodians are complaining about the, the paraprofessionals and, and the children. The, the, the paraprofessionals complaining about the teachers. Everybody's complaining all the way up to the top. And guess what? The children don't care about any of it. Right. And they're very innocent in that. Yeah. You know, what, what I found, I think what helped me have the greatest success is I understood my purpose in leadership. hmm Mm-hmm. And um, after all these years, when I see leaders, I, I can almost predict who will have success and who will struggle as mm-hmm. a leader based off of their mindset. Right. And as a leader, you have to engage in acts of service. Mm-hmm. Your job as, as a leader is to be a servant leader. And it's not about there's a difference between between reigning and ruling. Mm-hmm. And many leaders get titles and positions and they want to rule. Correct. And respect is something that you model. Mm-hmm. It's something that you earn and it is not a right. It is a privilege to be respected. Mm-hmm. So I think what has helped me have success is I always understood that that I could be a pigeon today and a statue tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I created synergy mm-hmm. in my in every school I worked in. I understood that the benefit of synergy equals success. When I had everybody working together 
with the same common goal, whether it's mm-hmm. the parents, the business leaders in the community, community stakeholders. But I knew everyone needed to be a part of the solution of cultivating great students. And I've never understood how hearing leaders talk about that's not my job. That's not my. And I always I just had a conversation with someone about this last week. And I was sitting in a coaches meeting and, and sharing data, giving suggestions. But I listened first to just observe what their role was mm-hmm. in the school. And they were to help change behavior. So I was listening. And then I kept hearing this one coach say, but that's not my job. I felt that's not my lane. That's 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 something that the ad, admin needs to do. That's mm-hmm. It was everyone else that she felt prohibited her from doing her job because it wasn't her role. And so I just finally stopped the session and I said, I want to go back to some things that I've been hearing. And I recapped, I said, let me say this to you that I want you to walk away with it. There are many things that will not be your job and that will not be your role. It may not even be your responsibility, but it most certainly can be your impact mm-hmm. and I want you to remember and the, the whole room went silent and they were like wow I never thought about that it doesn't have to be your responsibility to be your impact but see that is who we are and mm-hmm. I, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out when did Rome fall like what happened mm-hmm. what happened to everyone taking care of everybody and creating that village. Everybody is on an island now. Well, I think it became very divisive between parents and the school. And we should be on the same team, but it's like you said, when we were growing up, it truly was a village. Anyone could correct you, anyone could save you, anyone could help you as long as their intentions were right. When, and I, I saw it, like from the moment, think about when we first started teaching back mm-hmm. in the early 90s, right? And how we would go to, if we if our children or our students were missing, we'd go over to that home and we oh, yes. didn't have dinner. We'd check on that family because they were really our extended family. Yes. Now, you can't even correct the kids. If you come to their homes, they want to know what you're doing over there. Why are you stopping by? Yes. What, you, know, you know, and, but the moment, and you can, you can help a child to know in, but the moment you have to give them that love and correction, now you become the enemy of the parent because that's not your child. But I spend at least, 40 hours with this child every day like I'm raising them. I always say I'm the AM parent and you're the PM parent. Yes. But for some reason this new I don't know where we shifted. That's what I culture. don't know where the shift happened and it will never be the same because We now live in a society of you can do whatever you want to do. You can say whatever you want to say. And no one has the right to make you feel, they call it shaming now. Everything is shaming. Or bullying. Or bullying. Instead of teaching you how to self-correct, teaching you when to when knowing when to do what, right? How to dress for the occasion, how to have multiple levels um, being versatile in your personalities. Not saying that you got to change. Mm-hmm. That's not it. But you got to know when to do what. And no one's saying that anymore. Look at even how children are being presenting themselves at school. The languages that they use, um, they don't even just say yes anymore. Everyone is, yeah. Like, really? 
Well, so they you, don't even try to hide the misconduct anymore. They, they don't. Like, like the, if you're not their household parent, you don't have the right to even address their misconduct, even though you're under their, they're under your care. And that is why, circle back to your question about why do you feel that teachers don't want to do it anymore? Why is it that, okay, if, if, if I move out of the way, I'm not going to be teaching forever. I'm not going to be in education forever. I see the finish line. When I open my door, is anybody going to be standing there to come in? Our hands are tied. We have to watch what we say. We, we, we can't discipline. Um, we can't um, correct too much. Don't raise your voice. Don't do this. Don't do that. However, the children have free reign to do whatever they like and cause total chaos in a learning environment. So I really believe this is why people ask me and my truth, would you recommend this to your own children? I don't. And that is my truth. Um, I have a passion because I've always loved children. I love meeting them on that first day and seeing how they grow. And I actually show them. I give them a writing assignment on the first day and one at the end and let them see the light in that eyes. It's like a drug for me. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but this is the only industry too where I am helping to create, right? And, and um, a desire for children to want to go and flourish in their lives. We are the people who help any and everybody, whatever position they're in, whether they're entrepreneurs, CEOs, nurses, doctors, whatever, we paved the way for that. However, this is the only industry where almost every educator has to have a side gig in order to survive. That is very true. It's, it's, and, but we're being asked to do more. What else can you do? What else can you do? But you're getting the pink slip for your light bill. No, that's not okay. It's not okay. And that's one of the reasons I, no, I can't say that I would say, yeah, go be a teacher. Mm, I don't know. Not unless you're really, really willing to make some sacrifices in your own personal life. Okay. Uh, <laughs> financially, emotionally, because you got to pour more than just your brain into it. You got to put your whole self in it. Yeah, I always tell everybody, um, especially a lot of college students, that teaching is one of, if not the most noble professions. But don't don't get into it if you think if you're looking for a, a lucrative job. No, because it's not it. But it is so rewarding in so many ways as the things that you name. So I always and people ask me, well, why did you? get into it why do you stay and my answer is always the same I do it for the outcome and not yes. the income and so you have to know that when you get into this profession that really has to be your driving force you have to, to do be. it for the outcome not the income because I always knew I wasn't going to be rich I, I knew I was going to make it mm -hmm. and be comfortable but I would never be wealthy but I'm wealthy in so many ways when I see my students pass the law exam, you know, the bar. And, oh, absolutely. And they have families. But that is not, um, in today's society, uh, we have all these children that are risk takers now. So they don't even <laughs> see the benefit of college anymore. Not at all. Now they understand, like Steve Jobs and Richard Branson and people who may not have finished college but are some of the wealthiest, have been some of the wealthiest people in the world. And so I always tell people the college and educational benefit is for you to learn how to manage your business, how to make it sustainable and duplicatable. And that is the benefit of going to school, because if not, you'll be 
in a business with with trial and error and, and baptism by fire trying to figure it out and some people can do that but many people fail because they're not properly educated yes in that and so there there's so many benefits to education but you have to be willing to endure all of the minutiae and all of the the challenges and like you said even in leadership now you're dealing with adult drama you know Mm -hmm. you know somebody is I I feel like you know this person didn't turn in her lesson plans but I have to turn in mine and you're right the feelings in it and I had to learn because I'm so highly introverted that but I always say I'm introverted on an extroverted mission Mm -hmm. because I have to be able to give people what they need in order to make it through their day so I have to listen about them losing their turtle I have to listen to them about in the team leader meeting. They feel like one person's not pulling their weight. And I have to be able to give them everything they need to be successful because by default, the students get what they need. Okay, so I want to go to the, (laughs) and I know, you know, it might not have been um, a real incident and it could have been the listen to them losing their turtle. Um, And that was one of my examples in a leadership position recently. And I don't know that I handled it well or not, but this is, this is my truth. Um, There's a teacher who brings her dragon bearded lizard. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's a lizard Mm -hmm. um, to school. Um, And she'll walk around the hallway with it on her shoulder. And I get it. The kids love it. Um, But she likes to leave work a lot. Recently, um, chain of command, the principal was at a meeting. APs were at meetings. So the coaches were up next. Right. And she came to me and said her bearded dragon was not doing well. He's not eating. He wasn't eating last night. Um, and I'm going to have to leave work <laughs> to take him to the bed. And this is 10 o'clock. Now, if he wasn't eating last night, you knew that, right? So I, you should have. Uh, this is what I was thinking. I didn't say this. You, you should have put in, put your plans up, made amends so that we wouldn't be put in a position where we had to split children up. And so she said, what do you think I should do? And I looked at her and I said, well, whichever one of you signed the contract needs to stay at work. (laughs) So if he is teaching your class, (laughs) he needs to get his plans together and put in focus. And I bet she was looking so confused. (laughs) (laughs) Did she stay? She stayed at work. And she went after work. And and he survived. But those types of things after, especially after raising children, um, and I know the children get sick and We've been in situations where emergencies arise, yes. But those types of things, maybe that's an area I need to work on. But my filter just was not filtering in that moment. Um, (laughs) So help me, please, moving forward, because there are others. Uh, Yeah, I have a hard time with that also, but I have softened over the years okay and so you I'm tell you why <laughs> um because I used to lack understanding of that because you know we're just work people and um mm-hmm. being you know having a military father I mm-hmm. was always conditioned that you never abort your mission you don't so whether I was sick or what you know I was just taught to push through mm-hmm. because the moment you abandon your mission you put everyone else in jeopardy. So I mm-hmm. always looked at the students as the the people that I'm putting in jeopardy by abandoning them mm-hmm. that day. And so I had a hard time 
accepting that everybody's mindset is not like that. And so, um, because I know like even with my children, like if you're not running a fever there, you, you're fine. Right. And so I had to learn that sometimes there are people where that cat or that turtle is a part of their life. They look at it as their children. And um, I realize making them sometimes stay in situations will cause me not to get the best of them that day. Mm-hmm. And, and and I mean, for the children, the children don't get the best of them that day because they're not 100% committed to that day. And I had to learn that I couldn't be so rigid in my thinking. And I had to just kind of discern. Now, it didn't make sense to me, but I started noticing that when I allowed people to have that balance between work and their personal life, I actually got more out of them because they remembered that one time that I was empathetic to that moment where they, you know, weren't a hundred percent there. So then I ended up getting 200% out of them. And that's one thing I want to always challenge people to not try to make your view of what you think is right. Mm-hmm. The rule for everybody, because it could have gone an opposite way. Like she mm-hmm. could have stayed. The lizard the, could have died. died and she would have never been able to get past that moment that you had a choice to allow her to do that. Now, thank God it worked out, but sometimes you have to, and I always ask them now, when, when, when people come to me, teacher, and they, or anybody, and they say, I have to leave. I said, let me tell you, I, let me ask you a question. If I tell you no, is it going to send you into an early retirement or is it going to, um, are you going to leave anyway? And they, and a lot of times I said, well, I wouldn't leave. I said, but am I going to, and I always ask them, but am I going to get a hundred percent out of you today? If I tell you no, and they are very honest. If they tell me no, then I let them go. Okay. So let's add to that then. All right. I understand those situations arise. But as long as you're on this earth, you're not going to get 100% every day anyway because you have people, everyone could have had an argument with you, with your spouse. Your child might be acting up. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have uh, got news on the way to work that your parent is sick in the hospital. It's just life. Mm-hmm. And that same problem-solving model that we are trying to instill in children. Adults have a way of using it when they want to, because you have to in your life. And so those instances, why can't the, I'm not saying emergencies don't arise, please. I'm not even saying that I'm not empathetic towards people because I am, right? Mm -hmm. I am not far removed from something going wrong myself and I have to figure it out. But there are sometimes those habitual people that everything is a problem. Right. Everything is an emergency. Um, Why can't we kick into that problem solving model then? Because if you made it to adulthood, oh, you've solved some problems. You have. Yeah, but that's when you have to learn to put a cap on it. See? Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference in being empathetic and then being taken advantage of, you know. Um, and so you have to just kind of discern as the leader when those times arise um is this someone that always has an animal problem or an emergency or something or is this really 
I need to take care of this one time, but I'm going to get come back and give you above and beyond what you expect from me. Right. right. And th- those are times. And, and I will tell you, and um, those are moments that you have to really sift through as a leader because you can be the type, hey, I'm here working uh, come sun, rain or, you know, whatever. But you may have the capacity to do that and you have to train your staff to have that capacity. It's kind of like tearing the instruction. You have to tear the knees of the adults. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that you, that will be lessons like a year from now we come back and talk through it and we're like, okay, what did, what did you have an epiphany about then? It's going to shift the more that you begin to work with adults because we got to understand their professional love language too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's hard because I don't always agree. Cause I, I had someone that had a cat emergency. <laughs> like, I, I don't, it's a cat, yeah. um, but you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but see the cat was at home. The cat didn't come to school. The, right. the, the bearded dragon accompanies her to school. Now, see, <laughs> you like you said, it could be their children, the closest thing they have to a child or a loved one, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't bring them to work with us, though. We don't. Well, we do. We bring our children sometime to school with us, and they, they happen to be a member of that school. And if they run a fever, we're going to need to leave that classroom and take those children home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is one of my struggles this this year um, in this position. It truly is. Um, And so that's something that I put on my list of things to work on. Um, Being able to discern (laughs) an emergency and what's not. Being able to speak to and listen to adults um, work through their thought process professionally, personally, mm-hmm. and still be able to reach children and speak to parents as well. So I'm having to um, huh, make some adjustments. Yeah, you're having to <laughs> shift, but you're shifting into your greatness each and every moment that you have because see what you'll find is things that come natural to us is what makes us leaders that's why we're chosen to walk a path that everyone cannot walk because of our resilience and because of our tenacity um, to do certain things that everybody just doesn't have the withal to do they just can't and if everybody could do it, everybody would be doing it. And so you just have to embrace your gifts and know that just like children that come at different levels, the adults come at all different levels to meet them where they are and grow them the way you need to, you know, grow them and strengthen them. And so just remember, leadership is about empowerment. And um, that's why you're chosen to walk that purpose. And I'm grateful that um for many years you you know I fought that I've had I can't even count how many people through the years say you would be an amazing leader you you need to get into leadership you need to do this come on we need you and I fought it I fought it tooth and nail and you know that mm-hmm. and so let's get getting to another struggle with leadership how to balance being a leader professionally and still maintain your personal life and space because it it doesn't cut off at five o'clock. People still need you no matter what. How do you maintain balance? So that, that is actually a great question and uh, one that I struggle with all too often. And I have to start thinking of it like a, a faucet, right, in your bathroom or your kitchen. Once you turn that water on, it runs until you cut it off. Mm -hmm. And so what I've had to learn to do is work from a calendar and work from my timer. And um, I struggle because I'm one of those that I believe in task completion. 
Yes. And so an accountability and I can't leave unless I finish, you know, or get in a good spot. And so what I understood now or understand now is that it never stops. Like you, mm-hmm. you will never stop getting emails, phone calls or other things to do, things to solve, things to manage, things to grow. Um, and so what I've learned to do is that I give myself a time. And I know which days I am going to choose to work late uh, and uninterrupted. And like on Mondays, I know I have board meetings. And so I just, you know, I already know that I need to set my recorder for the shows that I'll miss um, because that that's my role. I'll be in there until that meeting is over with. And but through the for the rest of the week. What I do is I know on Tuesdays, if I stay at a board meeting late on Monday, Tuesday, I'm leaving on time. I'm leaving when I'm supposed to. And uh, 4.30, I'm out of there. The latest I work, I have my alarm set for 5 o'clock. And Mm -hmm. at 5 o'clock, I'm out of there. But I may work a little bit later on Wednesday. So I balance it in that manner. But the true art of balance for me is I have a rule. If I work late, then the moment I come home, I'm not going to work anymore. Very seldom will I work from home on anything. It had to be that, you know, I left early that day or or what have you. But I have a rule that I tell people and, and I tell this to teachers. It's fine if you work late this one night, but don't make that a habit for the rest of the night. Because sure. let me tell you what you can't do. So you can't cheat on our professional relationship with your personal life. Mm-hmm. So when you go home, I expect you not to cheat on your personal life with your professional relationship. Right. And so I said, so don't sneak at home after dinner and, and try to have a relationship with work while you're at home because somebody is going, you're going to be a cheater and somebody's going to get short end of the stick. So when you're at home, be present, be all the way home. And when you're at work, be all the way present at work. And that has always been my philosophy. And so once I'm done, just like that, that running water in the kitchen, when I cut that faucet off, it is off until I choose to come back and cut it back on. That is such a huge struggle for me right now. And I was able to do that and do it very well being a classroom teacher. Um, right now, I keep trying to give myself grace, but my truth is I really don't know how to do that um, because it's hard for me to turn my brain off, right? And <laughs> so even if... I put my laptop down. Even if I close my calendar, my brain won't stop. And so I may be physically present right now, but I'm listening to you, but my mind is also, oh, did I add this to the spreadsheet? Oh, let me add this note when I finish talking to my daughter or to my man or, um, it, it, that's my struggle right now. And it's, it's a lot. It's even moving over into my quality of sleep because mm-hmm. I'm thinking constantly and I want to conquer. I have this thing, maybe it's a control issue where I have to conquer whatever I put my hands on. I have to master it. But that's <laughs> normal. That is actually normal. And um, especially when something is new, mm-hmm. see, because you have no measurement stick mm-hmm. of what you do well in this new role and what you need to work on and so that is very normal this first year um for you to do that because you're still you're you're on a new learning curve yeah and you're adding things that you've never had to do and figure out and you and and where your brain won't shut off because you can't figure out if you're doing it well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or if you're doing enough of it to help somebody and you're really responsible for the success of these adults and inadvertently those of children so your mind is always the anxiety is coming from the fact that you don't want to let anyone down at all and and I have that 
that problem. You know, it's that perfectionist in me or whatever it is. And, but I will tell you over time, you will find that balance. You will find. So what I would say is, you know, Friday, when Fridays come, you have to fuel and rest your body. You have to rest your mind or you will burn yourself out trying to be everything for everyone when Mm -hmm. you need to replenish yourself, your own soul. So I don't do anything on the weekend. If you haven't told me Friday by five o'clock, you might as well hold your breath until Monday because I don't, I don't care who it, it could be my superintendent. She could text me, send me an email, but she knows that I will not answer it until Monday morning. Right. And we could start early Monday morning, but it won't happen because I believe that I have to have my own serenity in order to do good work. And so I've learned Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, those are, that's my time to really rest because it takes me, honestly, Friday night, to, I have to sleep well, to shut down Saturday. Now I'm really resting up to get ready. And then Sunday, now I'm trying to, you know, get myself, motivate myself to start all over on Monday because it's such a mentally draining job for us. And that is what a lot of people who are not in education don't get. They look at it and they're like, well, yeah, y'all are just, you know, keeping kids, but it's mentally taxing. Yes, it your is. Your mind controls everything in your body. Yes, it does. It and- is the, the motor, the central, yes, yeah, system that controls everything else. Yeah, so you have to give yourself permission to say, this is enough. I have to cut the faucet off, the, cut the water off so that I can rest and find something to occupy your mind. When you find yourself thinking about work, go do something else. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you find yourself, because what you will not do is allow your mind and your body to reset because you're always going to be on. So when you're at work, you have to you know, have your professional mode. You have to give all of your college answers. You have to have, you're you're just always on, you know? And so if you don't learn to turn yourself off, you will burn yourself out before you really get well into your new role. Cause this is a different beast of a different animal um, dealing with, cause you only had to deal with the children. Now you have to deal with the adults and the children and the parents and the people at top telling you what they expect in their vision so it's a lot to take on so you got to learn how to turn it off turn it off uh completely when i'm at home everybody knows if you didn't catch me before 8 30 you tell me tomorrow don't tell me i tell my whole team even when we're off for two weeks i have a team member that used to like to want to tell me things on Saturday. I heard this happen and I said, well, I'll hear it Monday. If it happened today, it'll still be uh present Monday. It'll still right. be true Monday. Tell me Monday. I'm at home. I'm relaxed. And so I had to condition her to stop trying to make me work when I was off. And I was so good at that as yeah. a teacher and being um the language arts lead and being over PLCs I was really good at that um cutting it off no I'm not going to talk about it when I leave on Fridays and they honored that they respected that Mm -hmm. so I don't I need to work on getting back to that person but like you said this is my learning curve this is just the first semester and so I am giving myself credit Pat my own self on the back that the anxiety that I felt in August, it is now October. I'm really getting good at finding my flow, right? Um, with the work day itself. Even with on the walkie-talkie, they had a fight in the gym. We need admin. Okay, somebody help. Come on. You know, jumping up in those moments. Um, mm-hmm. During the day, I'm getting good at that. It's just when I leave, now my goal is learning when to cut it off. And so that is one thing that is helping me is to set many goals for myself each week, each day, each hour. 
mini goals instead of long term. Yes. So that is one thing that's truly helping me. Well, I am very proud of you. And I know that you are destined for greatness and you will positively impact so many people because now you have an opportunity to reach the masses. And that is the greatest gift and the greatest responsibility. You're going to do an amazing job because um, you're gifted and you are always um, a person who ha- can bless so many people with you. many things. So I'm very proud of you. Um, and, to, and, I, and I know that um, I'm glad that you've decided to now walk this journey that you've been uh, avoiding. Oh, I was kicking and screaming <laughs> and mad for a minute. It's you oh. and mommy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, avoiding for so long, but um, you know, it's just it's just in our lineage, it's our heritage, it's our legacy that we leave. And so um I want to share with you and give you your flowers as well. You have been an amazing model for me. And I am so super proud of you. I brag on you and talk about you all of the time. To There are people who know your name and things you've done that you don't even know. And so just know that someone's always watching you and your sister has been watching you and marveling at who you are, not only as a woman, as an educator and as a leader. You have blessed my life. And I thank you for that. Well, thank you, sister. I love you. Thank you I so love much. You too. Hey, before we wrap this up on the yeah. leadership logic, um, I always like to close out with a do and a don't. So okay. tell me um one thing that you believe that if someone uh leaders that are already in the role and those aspiring to be in a leadership role, what's something that they must do to um carve out success? Mm. One thing that you should do, keep that ability to be relatable to everyone. Respect the thoughts of everyone on each level in your building, right? Everyone has something to share. And if you, like you said, remember the rule and reign model, mm-hmm. create that village. It starts wow. at the head. It starts at the head. And if people know that you truly see them, everyone needs to be validated. Everyone. I see you. I hear you. And I understand what you're saying. You, there, you, so, so far you can go with that. Yeah, I love that. Now tell me, what is something as a leader you would um, say to others, you better not do that. Don't you dare do that. Mm. What's that don't? That That's something that they should avoid doing as a leader. Don't be a boss, be a leader. Yes. and it, And tell me what you mean by that. Um, when, okay, a boss just tells people what to do and sits and just watches everybody do it. But when you are a leader, you will not only tell, but you will show as well. You will roll your sleeves up. I've seen great leaders. The one that I work for now, as an example, um, we were short staffed. Both custodians were out. I literally saw my leader get a mop in a bucket to go clean up where a kid had gotten sick. I saw her serve lunches. She did whatever she needed to do to make the system flow. That's leadership. That's leadership. A boss would have just pushed somebody else to make it go go fix it. I love that. I love that. And um that's powerful words of wisdom for people um, because my do is always remember your humble beginnings mm-hmm. and 
never expect um, someone else to do anything that you're unwilling to do with them. So that's, that, that is my, my do. And then my don't is, um, my don't is to never feel like your title entitles you Mm -hmm. to have respect. Ooh, a title is what you do, but res- respect, integrity, and leadership is who you are. And those are actions and not titles. So never think your title entitles you to anything. You have to earn it and you have to model it and be mutual. So okay. we're going to close out the leadership logic. And thank you, Kelly Caldwell, for joining Thank you so much. Thank um, you for having me amazing things out of you in in Georgia and I wish you well on your journey oh thank you I received that and the same to you thank you for having me it's been my pleasure thank you have a good evening you as well